Well, I've been touched already. Have you? Such an amazing service, how God has shown up and shown himself to be all that we need in life. Amen. What more could we ask for other than to have God as our heavenly father? When so many are going after so many other things and going after like the video depicted, he was going for so long, he was going after money, 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 money. And here in our Western world, so many have been deceived to thinking that money is what it's all about. They get an education, and education is fine, but they get an education so that they can get a better job and make more money and more money and more money. And that's fine too. But how do we use the money that God has brought into our life? Does God get the glory out of what we are doing here in this life? I want to talk to you this morning about I once was blind, but now I see. We all have dreams. We all have plans. Even young people have dreams and they have plans things that they want to do with their life. I had a dream one time. This is a secular dream. It's not very spiritual, but I had a dream. My dream was to, of course, I grew up on the farm, and so uh, I thought my future was in farming, and so I had my dream all planned out. I had it all uh, thought out from start to finish. I would finish high school and then I'd get me about a 40-acre farm somewhere in the south. Has to be in the south. <laughs> Not saying anything about those in the north, but me, I'm a southerner, so it would have to be in the south somewhere. It would have to be a green rolling hills. Amen. On the highest part of that plot of land, the highest point, I'd build me a little house I'd build me a family. That house would be probably white in color, black shutters around, all the way around. That house would be a, a, a porch. If I wanted to, I could sit on the front porch or I could sit on the back porch, the side porch. Somewhere I could sit outside and look over my domain. And in that domain, there would be pasture land. And on that pasture, there would be black cows, Aberdeen, Angus, purebred, registered. I wanted to raise registered cows. You know what I'm talking about? Bloodline. It was all about the bloodline. Those bulls range anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000. And oh, I wanted him to sire some of my cows, some of my calves. And on that field out there, I could sit on my back porch and I could watch those black cows eat that green grass. And I could just say, mm, I have it made. And right in the middle, somewhere close to the house, not too far away, would be about a five-acre pond. Mm -hmm. Come on now. Some of you can identify with this. On, on the, in that pond would be bass, 
catfish, channel catfish. Oh, yeah, some big old bluegill, big as your head, weigh about a pound a piece, and maybe some, some crappie. Yeah, buddy, I'm talking now. Some of you are right ready to shout. You can identify with my dream, amen? But on that, in that farm, on that farm somewhere would have to be a red barn. Amen. Amen for the red barn. Everybody needs a red barn on their farm. Amen. And inside that red barn would be a, a green tractor. Amen. I'm talking about John Deere Green now. John Deere Green, amen. And in that barn, that had to be a hayloft. Got to have a hayloft because I love the smell of hay, amen. Those cows love to munch on that hay, so it had to have a hayloft. Hmm, that's a secular dream, but it could be a spiritual dream. Nothing wrong with having a farm. We need farmers. We need Christian farmers. We need Christian teachers. We need Christian carpenters. We need Christians in every walk of life who are sold out to Jesus Christ. Amen. We need them out there being a witness for God, standing strong and tall, standing strong and tall for the one who has set them free. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about how I was once blind, but now. I see. Scripture is filled with men and women with big dreams. They started in one direction. They had an encounter with God and their future was radically, I say radically changed. They were unlikely candidates, but they were obedient to God. They loved God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they changed their world for God. Amen. We got to have people today that are going to change their world for God. The world is in desperate need of someone to have a dream of touching this world for Christ and making a difference wherever they are. We have got to have that in order to reach our world and do what God has called us to do. We want to look at one such person this morning. I've always thought of him as a model servant for Jesus Christ. His name was Saul originally, but later on, God changed his name to Paul. We're talking about the birth of the church. We're talking about Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Acts. And all through that book, you see all the promises of God being fulfilled. God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And on the day of Pentecost, it happened. Jesus told them, don't you leave the upper room. And don't leave that upper room until you've been endued with power from on high. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. People are being saved. Look through the book of Acts. Somebody told me once, I think it was Dan, he says, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. I said, get into the book of Acts and read how exciting the church is. See how exciting it is to be a believer. It's exciting today to be a believer. I've never been bored a day in my life. When I get bored, I get into the scriptures and I read in the book of Acts what happened lives were being changed people were being saved people were being healed people were being delivered their lives were never the same once they encountered Jesus Christ 
How could we ever say, if we're a believer, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Get out there in the street and tell somebody how God has changed your life, what he's done for you. I say, some people say, I can't tell anybody about Jesus. Well, go to the altar and get you another dose of the Spirit. You can tell them what God has done for you, how he has changed your life. That's all God has asked any of us to do is tell the story. Tell the story of what I've done in your life. That's all you've got to do. That's all you've got to do. Persecution becomes fierce. The disciples, the believers are changing, are turning the world upside down. And the religious establishment didn't like it. So they begin to persecute the church. I don't know why it is that the religious people are the ones that always get so upset when there's a little excitement in the church. Hmm. But persecution arose. Stephen becomes the first martyr. And as they're stoning Stephen, they laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. He gave approval to the death of Stephen. The church was forced to continue to be scattered Saul continues to search for those who followed Jesus. On the road to Damascus, he encounters the living Lord Jesus. So we pick up the story in Paul's words. He's been arrested now. He's been a believer for a while, and he's been sharing uh, the gospel. Again, it was the establishment the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the high priests, they all got excited that Paul was doing what God had called him to do. And so uh, they arrested him for preaching the gospel. <clears throat> I wonder what that was like, to be arrested for your belief, to be so sold out to God that you were arrested and put in chains, placed in a dungeon, all your freedom taken away because you was just telling the people the good news. So let's read. We're talking about, I was once blind, but now I see. And our text today comes from Acts 22, verses 1 through 21. First point is Paul's past. He's testifying now. He's called before the courts and he's testifying to what happened to him. First of all, he identifies who he is, what he used to be. So let's read in 22 verses 1 through 5. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city under Gamaliel. 
I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. Paul was highly educated. He knew the word of God. Isn't that incredible? He knew the word of God, but yet became a persecutor of the church, a murderer, taking the lives of those who are following after the way, following Jesus. Verse 4, I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as also the high priest and all the council can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon as I came near, oh, hold on, hold on. That's as far as we want to go right now. That's Paul's past. We all have a past. We're not proud of our past. Our past is all messed up. But it's our past. We can't get away from our past. It shaped us into who we are. But some people get hung up in their past. They can't get beyond their past. The past has, is determining who they are today. You can't let the past determine your future. It will chain you down. It will bind you up. God doesn't want that for your life. He wants to set you free from your past. I know you have pains in your past. Some of you have a horrible past. You've been hurt. You've been abused. But today, today, you can be set free. You don't have to hang on to your past. Let it go. You can't do anything about your past. You're no longer a slave, amen? You're no longer a slave to your past. Paul said, I'm no longer a slave to my past. Listen, listen, Paul was a rising star climbing the ladder of success. He met all the qualifications. He was educated, nice resume. He was zealous for God, arresting people left and right but he didn't let his past determine his future. Listen, Philippians 3, 7 through 14. But whatsoever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, garbage, dung, poo-poo, <laughs> that I may gain Christ. 
and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God is by faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the same power that raised Christ from the dead can raise you up to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus far above all principalities and powers of the air and all that wickedness. You are today seated, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Say amen. Say, I am a child of God. Amen. Children of the Most High. And listen, not only did he want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, he wanted the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. My God, that's what I want. How about you? Yes, pour it on God more. Give me more pain. Give me more suffering, more sickness. If it's going to make me into the image of Christ, bring it on. That's what Paul is saying. Not us. <laughs> we want the good life. We want the best life. All kinds of books been written about the best life now. Seven easy ways to be a success. Seven principles for being all that God wants you to be. And you never hear anything about suffering. Come on. If you're going to preach part of the word, let's preach all of the word. There's going to be some suffering if you're going to stand up for Jesus, if you're going to live the life that he's calling you to live, there's going to be some suffering. There's going to be some pain because we can't become who Jesus has created us to be without some pain and without some suffering. Ooh, getting quiet in here. Verse 12, no, 11. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now listen, this is Paul speaking. This is the one who wrote 13 letters, went on three missionary journeys that some say was probably equal to over 10,000 flight miles. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, notice Paul now, he's getting down to business. One thing I do, I'm forgetting what's over there, what's in my past, and I'm straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. Here's my goal. Here's my plan. Here's my future. 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul isn't allowing his past to determine his future, amen. God is saying, let go. He's saying this to you this morning. God is saying, let go of that dream that has been birthed in your own flesh because God has something better. God has something better than any fleshy dream that you and I can come up with. Better than that 40-acre farm, better than those black cows, better than that fishing lake full of fish. Hmm. Are y'all going to hang with me this morning? I am only about halfway finished. I thought that was God's plan for me. That was my plan. That was my plan, birthed in my spirit, birthed in my flesh. But God says, son, hmm, I didn't know it then, but I know it now. You're going to go all over the world at Uncle Sam's expense. <laughs> and you're going to tell people about me. You're going to share Jesus Christ in foreign countries. And it's all going to be at Uncle Sam's experience. And after you finish that, you're going to do 20, you're doing 20 years in the Army. Then you're doing 15 years in the post office because I need you there standing up for Jesus Christ and being a light in a dark place. And tell, let me tell you, the post office can be a dark place. But I'm telling you, it was a place where I was able to stand and share Jesus Christ. I didn't have to say a word, my friend. You most of the time will not have to say a word. You let your light shine. You live for, for God's glory. You live a good, decent, moral life and eventually people come up to you and they want to know. They want to know what's different about you. Why are you like this? How do you deal with all that situation and stuff in your life? And that gives you the opportunity to tell your story. Tell them about Jesus. Amen. But Paul has a predicament. We learned about Paul's past, but Paul had a predicament in verses 6 through 16. What is a predicament? It's a difficult, perplexing, or trying situation. <laughs> Wait till you hear this, and you'll see what I'm talking about in verses 6 through 16. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord, I asked. Here comes Paul's assignment. Get up. Ooh. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned 
to do. Some of you are going to get a new assignment this morning. God's going to change your direction of your life and give you a new assignment. Amen. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very moment, I was able to see him. Oh, I don't know what has you blinded this morning. I don't know what has you been able not to see what God has planned for you, but some of us are blinded by things this morning. We're blinded by the fleshy dream that we have, and we can't see the spiritual dream that God has for us. But God opened Paul's eyes, and he was able to see. Paul could have written that old hymn, I Amazing Grace, I Once Was Blind, but now I see, but he didn't, but he could have. And so Paul got a new set of eyes, a new vision, and this is what it was. And he said, verse 14, the God of our fathers hmm, has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. What did I tell you before? All God's asking you to do is preach the word of God. Preach the word as it has come to you. Tell them what you've seen and what you've heard. What has happened to you. How your life was transformed. How you are no longer the same. How you now have hope and all your sins are gone. And you're living for the Lord. And now, what are you waiting for? Hmm. What are you waiting for? Yes, Paul, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Hmm. That's Paul's predicament. Did he go on to what God was calling him to do? Or did he look back and see something in his past that looked a whole lot better and a whole lot easier? Can't look behind. There's nothing there. Got to look forward. Got to look forward. So then Paul has a prayer. Paul prays, verse 17. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking. Quick, quick, he said to me. In other words, it's urgent, Paul. You can't wait till tomorrow. You can't wait 10 years from now. You've got to go. You've got to be quick about it. You've got to be about the Father's business, the business of winning souls and bringing people to Christ and being a witness. Quick, he said to me, leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept your testimony about me. Mm. Got to go where they will accept your testimony. God's called all of us to reach a certain people's group somewhere. Only you can reach certain people. God has put his spirit in you and has saved you from your sin that you might reach the people that he's called you to reach. Lord, I replied, 
verse 19, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So Paul had a prayer life. Let me tell you, God has an assignment for you. God has a vision for your life and a purpose for your life. But you'll never, ever listen. You'll never, ever learn what God has for you until you establish a prayer life. Your prayer life must be consistent. Your prayer life must be a priority. You must block out everything else that hinders and get into the prayer closet and God will give you a new vision for your life, a life that will lead to success when it's measured by the word of God. Oh, you might have an earthly dream this morning, but God wants to change that dream and whatever it is if, it, if it's your dream to be a teacher if it's your dream to be a soldier if it's your dream to be a carpenter if it's your dream to be a mechanic God needs people in all of these vocations to stand up and say I want to tell you about Jesus I want to tell you about what happened to my life I want to tell you I want to say one more thing and then I'm going to wind it up, okay? Do not measure, do not measure the size of your dream by the amount of resources that you have at your disposal. You dream a big dream, a big dream. Don't dream little dreams. I'm telling you, dream big dreams because you have a big God. You have a God that's able. He says there's nothing impossible with him, but it'll never transpire in your life until you get into your prayer closet and make God a priority, make seeking him a priority. Go after God with all your heart and God, if he gives you that dream and that dream must be bigger than you are, that dream cannot be a dream that you can bring about in your own strength. This dream must come from the heart of God and be bigger than you are for in order to be a God dream. God wants to do great things through his people and he wants them to dream big dreams because you see, our God has got all the resources of heaven at his disposal. If he tells you to go somewhere and establish an orphanage, hello? If he tells you to go somewhere and establish a halfway house or a coffee house or whatever he calls you to do, if you, that is your dream and it's been birthed in your spirit as you sought God, God will provide the resources. He provided the resources for Paul and he went. We have to do something about the word of God. We have to do something about what we've heard this morning. We have to do something about it. Come on, Eden. This calls for action 
It calls for decisions. God totally transformed Paul's life. He was never, ever the same. And once you and I have tasted of the Lord and found that he is good, we can never, ever go back. God has better plans for us than we have for ourselves. Amen? Amen.